KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I didn't know how hard wrestling was. My first day at the wrestling room at Rancocas Valley Regional High School, the room was sweating. The windows had condensation on them. When walking in, there was like a sauna. It's like nothing I had ever experienced before with any other sport that I tried. This seemed like the ultimate challenge. I wanted to take it on. And our guest this week is Lee Janes. She is the head women's wrestling coach at Delaware Valley University. A phenomenal Division Three institution out in Doylestown. And Lee, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So you were brought in to build this program from scratch. I know the work started long before you guys are able to to compete. Uh, why was this the right opportunity for you when you, you came on board? And how much did you enjoy the challenge of building a program from the ground up? Well, I, de- I definitely like challenge. I don't think you join wrestling if, if you're not the type of person that likes to be given a hard time. <laughs> but Delaware Valley University was the right fit for me. I did apply and get offers from other universities. Um, I took a look at, I don't know if should I name drop those things, but I, I, I was looking at Gannon, I was looking at Barham, I was looking at Elmira, and something about Delaware Valley was was unique. Uh, I liked the landscape, the small school atmosphere. I thought it was very peaceful on campus uh, versus a larger campus. And I really felt like, you know, I could thrive in this environment, you know, as far as building a team and making a successful, successful program here. So women's wrestling has exploded the last decade, couple decades, um, where I don't think it is nearly the you know, where it's like, oh, women's wrestling, what's like people are very much more mm-hmm. familiar with it. As far as your start in the sport, did I read correctly? It started on a dare. Yeah, <laughs> I was the type of kid that always wanted to be involved in something, you know, just I, I'm not sure what it was. It was a lot of it was just like home life, just wanting to um, get into something, dig into something. Part of it was just wanting to be successful at something. But I didn't have a winter sport. And I was doing track and, and marching band and I swam and I did a lot of things that cheer, I did cheerleading for basketball and uh, nothing quite stuck, you know, with something that I was really passionate about. And the wrestling coach was my youth group leader. Uh, we had gone on a few rock climbing trips with the youth group and he knew me from there. So when he saw me in the cafeteria, coach Brian Boker came over and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, you think you're tough? you tried lasting two weeks in the wrestling room and I was like you know like of course I can last two weeks in the wrestling room I can do anything for two weeks you know it's no big deal I didn't know how hard wrestling was my first day showing up at the wrestling room at Rancocas Valley University or Rancocas Valley uh, Regional High School in Mount Holly New Jersey the the room was sweating the windows had condensation on them and it was just Like, oh my gosh, I don't understand. Like when walking in, there was like a sauna and I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. It's like nothing I had ever experienced before any other sport that I tried. And something was, um, you know, kind of fascinating about that. This seemed like the ultimate challenge and I wanted to take it on. I got completely destroyed for two weeks and I'm not sure what about that uh, made me want to get better at this. And so I would say after 
practice with anybody and just keep drilling and drilling and drilling. And I just got hooked on it right away. You know, it, it helped take my mind off a lot of things and it helped gave me something uh, tangible to work towards. And, you know, at that point in your life, I know you had already gone through a lifetime of, of challenges. Just, just talk about how it kind of centered you maybe. And, and, you know, you talk about, you did a lot of activities, but it obviously wrestling captured you like nothing else. Yeah. I think, um, you gotta have to be a tough nose kid to want to stick to wrestling either that, or you have a really powerful driving force behind you, like your parents, um, you know, wanting you and encouraging you to continue to do that. In my situation, you know, I was in a group home from 11, 13, I think maybe to 16, uh, where I emancipated, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of time that's been between that and now. So, um, without really picking a scab, it's, it was really just an alternative family dynamic. And, um, it was just something I think in my family that nobody wanted, but it just ended up to be that circumstance, um, for whatever reason. And I mean, there's a lot of stories that, that I spoke about this situation, with my parents relinquishing custody and needing for me needing to go into the group home. You know, there's a lot of stories about there. Uh, some of them are not accurate with, I guess, maybe the situation that was going on. But I think the bottom line, and I think the lesson really to take from that is nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's family situation is ideal. A lot of people are struggling with hardships. Um, a lot of people have a lot of roadblocks to overcome. And wrestling was one of those things that really helped you focus on the things that really matter. It gave me the mindset that, you know, you're going to get knocked down a lot in life and you're going to have to find a way to pick yourself back up and walk out on the mat and try again. And if you do focus on the right things, you will get your hand raised. And so um, I think that was the lesson that I took from wrestling you know, like I said, nobody really wanted that to happen um, for, for me, my family, and for my brother, um, who was also in the same situation. But thankfully, we found a sport like wrestling that helped me navigate those really difficult times in my early childhood and helped me really build my character, where I think that if I hadn't been in wrestling, maybe my life story might have come out a lot different. I don't know that I would have had the same character. I think I would have definitely gotten into some things that I shouldn't have gotten into, but wrestling kept me focused on being successful. When do you remember first tasting success in wrestling? You talked about those first two weeks, but when was the first moment? It might not even have been a win. It might've just been a move that moment when you were like, man, this is fun. And I could see myself doing this. Um, it was actually at the USGWA women's nationals. So this was my first, I had wrestled the boys season for my first season. And as you can imagine in New Jersey, a hotbed for wrestling, I got completely destroyed at the 130 weight class. I think I accidentally elbowed somebody in the teeth and that was my shiny moment, uh, <laughs> in high school wrestling. But there was a girls competition that was going on. Somebody had been thinking about putting together Kent Bilo years and years ago, created the first women's wrestling national championship. Um, so it was called the USGWA women's nationals and it was in Flint, Michigan. So first time I'd heard of Flint before the water crisis and he had gathered all these, uh, ladies and recruited all these ladies to come out here and wrestle for the national championship. And it was my first big tournament and I go in there 
and I weigh in and I wrestle and I lose two matches completely like, like in a row, boom, boom, lost. And I was crying my eyes out, never felt any type of loss and pain. And anybody who's out there in the wrestling community can knows this pain of losing and not really feeling it, like not really seeing it coming, like that, the hard, how hard it is to lose in wrestling, just a match. And then I hear my name get called over the, the loudspeaker and the announcer brought me over and he said, Hey, I'm so sorry about this, but we put you in the wrong weight class. And I was like, hi, <laughs> I was like, they looked really big and strong, but I didn't want to complain. I didn't want to be like, you know, maybe I'm just imagining things. So they ended up putting me in the correct weight class and I ended up blast doubling my way all the way to all American. So it turns out everything that I learned from Boker and the guys and in the wrestling room and Janone and, and Godoy and all those guys that, that helped bring me up really paid off immediately. I, I immediately experienced success at women's wrestling um, because of the foundation I had from the guys that I unknowingly were teaching me some of the best fundamentals that this nation has to offer. So, um, yeah, I ended up getting recruited to go to college and wrestle because of that situation. So it was was definitely, um, I got the bug immediately after that. I mean, I can't imagine the emotional roller coaster that has to be (laughs) to to think you just got waxed and then, oh man, sorry about that. You were doing the wrong thing here. Try it over here. And then to succeed, not just succeed, but to excel that's about as you know far on the spectrum as you can go within a few hours. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is a crazy thing, but um, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I I really do think that you know everything that that you kind of navigate along in wrestling, it's a lot of ups and downs. You know, one minute you know you're. You, I I think someone another coach told me one time. You, you know, in wrestling, it's like a banana. You know, if you leave it too long on that one success it goes rotten and you need to go and get yourself another banana. So, you know, you just, you always have to keep pushing yourself and moving forward. Um, you know, even just in that five minute turnaround, I went from a zero to a hero, <laughs> you know? So, so you ended up going to Missouri Valley college to wrestle, correct? I did. What was, I mean, you know, what sold you on that? Uh, and I would also, I mean, we're talking what late nineties. So the women's programs up, pretty few and far between at the collegiate level at that point now definitely at the time there was only five colleges that offered women's wrestling so it was missouri valley i think mo bap was in there mo baptist neo show um morris i don't know there's a few of them pacific university so there was a couple around you know five five or six that were around um there it was really just the dawn of college women's wrestling and the development of maybe like a college women's national circuit, like where we would actually say like, I'm a national champion. So by the time my senior year, junior and senior year rolled around, we did have what looked like a national championship. Uh, We did have all American and all that stuff. And uh, I think that the colleges that we got to wrestle increased, you know, to 15 uh, by the time that I had, you know, junior and senior, by the time I was actually like decent, to go against other really high level girls. What sold me on that? I don't know. I thought I was going to go to school for music. I was heavily into music. I was the, you know, in all of the bands 
and in show choir. And I thought that I would do something in that area. I did get offers from other schools within the New Jersey area for that particular. But when I got the phone call, uh, as I was working at the Farious Surf Shop in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. So I was hanging out all summer, living in the apartment above the surf shop, working full time and just enjoying my summer vacation. And I got a phone call. Uh, My wrestling coach's wife, Eileen Boker, answered the phone. And it was Mike Mockolds from Missouri Valley College. And he said, hey, you want to come wrestle in college? And I was like, sure. Like, why not? And he's like, we're in Missouri. And I'd never left New Jersey. So I'm like, where is Missouri? I have no idea where Missouri is. And I paid my friend $100, Kelly Robbins. I paid her $100 to go and drive me to Missouri Valley College and drop me off. And it's kind of funny because $100 was not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, she, she got shortchanged big time. <laughs> so she dropped me off. I gave her $100. Bucks and, and there I was. I, I got dropped off with, at Missouri Valley College with really nothing in my pocket um, and just this outlandish dream to be a college wrestler. And I had no idea where it was going. I just knew that I wanted to continue wrestling. I knew that I wanted to get a degree. And then um, I eventually joined the military my junior year to help fund college because, you know, being a broke college kid didn't really appeal to me. So I wanted to kind of do something to build a financial foundation. Did you feel right away with the college, with wrestling, did you feel like you had made the right decision? Like, was it a good fit right off the bat, or was there an adjustment period? Because I think a lot of kids go through an adjustment just going to college, and you throw in doing a sport that you picked up relatively late that is not widely done. You know, there's a lot of moving parts there. I did pick it up late, but I know who I am, and I, I, like, this isn't a braggy moment. This is just, you know... I have a high IQ and my, my IQ in wrestling is even higher. So I started to really sponge things up very quickly and really dial in to every little thing that my coaches and teammates were telling me to do. Um, that's how I was able to really um, move forward quickly. Some of my teammates that were much better than me and had a lot more experience, I was able to surpass because they already knew what they were doing right? Quote, unquote. I know what I'm doing. I don't need to actually listen to somebody as deeply. And I just absorbed every single thing. And I think it was the right decision. Although I definitely had major adjustments because of my background. I had a lot of soul searching to do. I had a lot of um, repair work to do on my um, emotionally and mentally. And I needed to find some discipline and structure because when you're emancipated at 16, you're not nearly ready to take on life responsibly. And I, I think that my choice to join the military and understanding that I needed that structure and that discipline in order to, one, not get myself in trouble, but two, also to, um, you know, be successful, uh, I think was a pivotal, pivotal moment and a pivotal decision for me with my background. I struggled really hard my sophomore year with uh, being able to manage some of those things. And so my junior year, I joined the military and everything changed and I became a national champion and an All-American. How did you juggle? I mean, the military is a big commitment. You're still going to college. How did they end your wrestling 
that's a full day. How did you, sure. how did the days complement each other? Did you have to step away from one if you had to focus on the other? How did that work? I did it all. It was a lot of early mornings at PT at 5 a.m. and a lot of late nights in the practice room. I did it all. I, from the military, I knew, I know that I can go for about a week with four hours of sleep and still be functionally successful. I know that I can push myself without food and water for a long time and still be really strong. Um, I think when you put yourself in these situations, like when people do adventure races, when people do things that, that are um, push their physical and mental and emotional limit, I'm constantly putting myself in those situations and finding out that I'm way stronger than I ever thought that I was before. Um, so testing yourself was one of those aspects. I was surprised to see how far I can go you know, when I'm tested. As far as the military captain in the medical service corps of the army, yes. is that correct? What is, yeah. I mean, I have a general idea just from the name, but medical service corps, what did that involve? Initially I joined, I, I'm a reservist. So um, if you were asking how I managed all that, um, being in the reserves, it's just part-time and I can go on active anytime there's something available for me to do if I want to take it. I also commissioned for officer through the green to gold program, which allowed me to continue staying in school and uh, focusing on getting a minor in military science and uh, graduating at the same time with my commission um, and my degree. I, I initially joined as a combat medic. So for those people out there who understand military jargon, it was a 91 whiskey at the time. It's a 68 whiskey right now. And that is your battlefield EMT. So we would train a lot on quick reaction, uh, first responder type things in different scenarios. Some really fun, awesome things like loading medical evacuation, stuff like that. So it's hospital operations, but my initial job was that battlefield EMT type position. And then once I commissioned for officer in the Medical Service Corps, I became a 70 Bravo, which is essentially a operations officer. Um, I'm in charge of pretty much everything that happens within the hospital. I'm responsible for making sure everybody is qualified and certified on everything that they're supposed to be. Um, I typically work in headquarters and help facilitate the building of temper tent hospitals. My latest mission that was sent down was to help build the COVID vaccination sites. And uh, yeah, I think once the season's end, since the season at DelVal ends and I have, I'm able to dedicate most of my week to recruiting, I will probably take on the weekend position of helping fight this, they say, invisible enemy. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Lee Janes right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW News Radio's community affairs reporter, but every week I produce and host Flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers, and changemakers burning things up in our region. From gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools, we'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week is Lee Janes. She is the head women's wrestling coach at Delaware Valley University out in Doylestown. While you're at college, what is your favorite wrestling moment? What, you know, if you had uh, with the success and, and everything, you know, what was peak for you? 
my friend, my best friend is going to kill me. My best friend is going to kill me when I say what my favorite moment is. Because throughout college, you always have that friend that always believes that they're going to be able to beat you, but you never match up because you're in a different weight class, right? So no big deal. You can just rib each other back and forth. You know, if we were ever to wrestle, I'd, I'd kick your butt. And, um, you know, like I... <laughs> I never said that I would ever beat her back because I was never sure if I would ever beat her back. She was a national team member and, you know, but her name was Tina Arns and she was on the early national teams for USA wrestling. We ended up going and qualifying for the Olympic trials in 2004. We were the very first match in history at the women's wrestling for, for women's wrestling at the Olympic trials. We wrestled first round because the weight classes, we only had four weight classes and I had to bump up to 63, which we never thought we'd ever wrestle each other. I beat her. And not only did I beat her, I leg cradled her, which was like a move that was like, is like embarrassing. You know, I stepped over her head and I had my chin propped on my hands and Clarissa Chun taught it to me and I didn't think I would ever get it. And I got it on her and she's like, you didn't have to do that to me. You know, one thing to beat me, but you didn't have to embarrass me like that. You could have picked another move. <laughs> but it's my favorite because it kicked us off for the Olympic movement. It, and it was, you know, and it was obviously like I, if we ever matched up, it ended our four year long bet on who would win if we ever matched up. And uh, yeah. <laughs> What's it like? I've won, mentioned- won other awesome things. You know, I, I, I was all American and I was a national champ, but wrestling my best friend was one of my highlights. What's that like at the, you know, you mentioned those, you know, Olympic trials and stuff like, what's it like to compete at that level aside from your best friend, just in, in general to be at the, you're talking the elite of the elite of the elite. Moving through to Olympic trials, I've been in four of them um, and they're all different. It's stressful. A lot of crazy things happen in the Olympic year. Um, you know, a couple of times I've been slotted number one. The, the weight classes are a little bit different. They remove some of them. So people are juggling around for position. I, I have to say that there, a different person comes out in the Olympic year. And a lot of animosity can build amongst a team that is still competing against each other for that slot. Whereas, like, let's say Team USA, we're all pretty tight-knit and we're all really good and supportive of each other. But in that Olympic year, we all become competitors against each other for this dream. And it becomes very cutthroat. It becomes a very cutthroat environment. And it is difficult um, to maintain and stay in that environment for through to, to the end and to see success. You know, so, uh, but it's an amazing journey. And um, I think just to focus on being grateful for, you know, um, the opportunity to compete at that level, uh, regardless of whether you get your hand raised, I think helps keep you sane as you're going through these quads. It's a, it's a timing thing too. Uh, so you got to get your timing just right with your injuries and, and your surgeries and, you know, your weight and all that stuff. So there's a lot of variables to making an Olympic team and a world team. But uh, you just have to enjoy the process, I think, to get to get out of it. And reflection is always sometimes in the moment you really don't see those lessons if you don't get what you want. But as you start to navigate through life and you look back and you can reflect on all the positive things that have happened for you because you took that step. And I always tell my um, younger wrestlers that are terrified. I'm terrified, too. When I go out to do a big event, I'm getting ready to go qualify my weight class for the African Championships um, for Tokyo. I'm terrified. 
I'm terrified. It's something I've never done before. But I always say, like, listen, you can walk out there, like, and just believe, like, just believe, like, you, you know, you can walk on water. You're walking out there and you just have to believe in yourself, you know. And if you sink, you know, it's okay. You know, a lot of people are not even brave enough to take that step out of the boat. Just being out there and competing and challenging yourself is a success in, in and of itself. In 2015, you win bronze at the world championships. What's, what's that like to, you know, have that uh, medal like that at that level put around your neck? That moment was so surreal. I truthfully, people talk about this, but I don't remember part of it because it was just so surreal. It was a perfect it was a perfect moment in time because I was representing the United States Army on 9-11. I was there in Las Vegas where my dad was close enough to drive from Arizona because he's not able to fly because of health restrictions. My college team was there. My high school team was there. Everybody was cheering on Team USA. And it was just probably the most surprising to people because I had just had a baby. I had just, you know, I was 35. Nobody, Skylar Grote comes to me and she's like, well, you know, women's athletic peak does say it's around 28. And I'm like, who wrote that book? Because I'm writing a new one. You know, I, I think it was just one of those things where some people didn't think like after I was the last one to go. And after all team USA had finished and we had you know, two medals with Adeline Gray and um, Helen Maroulis. And I was going and people were like, she's 35, she's a mom. I don't think anything is really going to happen here. So there's a lot of people that didn't believe in me. A lot of people were talking online about how she's too old, you know, to make anything happen. And here is the crowning achievement of my career, which kind of really spoke volumes about people's limiting beliefs on what you're capable of at any given time. When does coaching come into the the thought process for you? When do you start to think that it's something you would want to pursue in one way or another? Is it something, is it a conscious decision or is it one where you were kind of realize you're helping other people and you enjoy it and, you know, and it just kind of organically grows out from that? Yeah, I, I was coaching before. I was one of those athletes that always, if somebody asked me to speak or coach or go do this or go do that, I, I was always the one to say, yeah, I, I was a yes person because I figure teaching wrestling is going to help me remember wrestling and helping other people get tougher is going to make me tougher. Um, so I was always pretty generous um, with my knowledge in wrestling. I didn't think about taking on a full-time position. I was volunteer coach for a few Fargo teams, Wisconsin. I, I was Fargo coach for Wisconsin, New Jersey, Maine. All great experiences in the coaching arena. Um, I really enjoy working with the girls. But I did find that it was difficult to make a real impact on them in the corner if I hadn't worked with them on a regular basis. So I think from there, um, I kind of walked away from wrestling in 2016. It's the second time I'd walked away to regroup. Once after 2012, world, you know, uh, world championships, and then again after 2016 Olympic trials, and then world trials. Those were just, I was just done for a couple for a while. <laughs> I was just done. I was ready to walk away from the sport for a little bit, and then uh, come back. This time coming back, I'm 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 like a guru in wrestling at this point. I'm an expert in my craft, 
And um, in order to excel and get better in my craft and for me to continue being a part of the women's wrestling community, um, coaching is a natural progression from there. And, and I'm passionate about wrestling and I'm passionate about um, helping people get better at wrestling. So um, I think it was a perfect fit for me. Have you had to deal with, we talked about how when you started wrestling, there were not a lot of women's, not a lot of women wrestlers, not a lot of women's programs as opposed to now. Have you had to deal with sexism, nonsense, people making snide comments because you were doing something originally that was more of a man's world? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, I mean, military is also, it's egalitarianism, but, um, you know, we have our ranks and stuff, but we also, you know, I deal with a lot of like being a female officer in, you know, in a leadership position that I think is challenging for females. Um, you have to find an art to leading men and soldiers and also looking at the end state goal and making sure that even the way that you're leading people, your result is what you want. So I got to set myself aside sometimes, my ego aside sometimes to uh, look at the bigger picture, um, the bigger mission. But I, I had really stupid comments going through the wrestling community. People were like, oh, wrestling in jello or oil or mud. And I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense at all. Like as a respectful person in the wrestling community, you think I'm going to college for mud wrestling? <laughs> you know, it's just those things. And I think a lot of it is just about educating people and giving them a different picture in their mind. Because if that's what you're going to, when you think about women's wrestling, it couldn't be further from the truth. So now we have to show you that women's wrestling is a sport. It's a sport. It's a legitimate sport. Um, and it's a great sport for both girls and boys to build character from. It's a lot about, you know, well, we don't think girls should wrestle or people say they don't shouldn't wrestle boys. I respect that. You know, girls shouldn't wrestle boys. Some people have, you know, some, some opinions about that. I respect those opinions and I can see their position where they're coming from a lot. You know, when they see their daughters, you know, wrestling against a boy, um, they're worried about them getting hurt or they're worrying about like the perception of the situation. Um, I think we've done a better job of uh, outfitting the girls in appropriate apparel which I help which I think helps that perception that we are a respected member of this sport and not just throwing on a boy singlet and uh, rolling around with the guys as we start to move forward I think we are um, you know a lot more skillful I think we gain a lot of respect by we gain a lot of respect by the skills that we bring to the table these days any person that's kind of started something new, you know that there's going to be people out there that are naysayers. There's going to be a ton of people out there that don't believe in your vision, um, that don't believe that this is supposed to be here. Uh, we see that a lot with anything with, you know, with the, the issues that we have today, the social issues that we're dealing with today. A lot of people have their own biases and opinions about who they think should be where. And um, if you really believe that what you're doing is the right thing and there are other people around you um, telling you that it's not, I mean, you just got to believe in yourself and put one foot in front of the other, find other people that are like-minded that want to do the same thing and stick together and keep pushing forward. You know, women's wrestling is no different than any other thing that's been challenged and started in history. And, you know, I think it's proven that we're here to stay. We're not going anywhere and we're only getting stronger and bigger and better. I want you to get a little braggy again. How proud are you of yourself? Because, 
given the rough times you experienced as a youngster, a lot of people would have let that define them. And everything you've accomplished, not just in wrestling, but in the military, you talk about you almost went to school for music. I mean, it's, it's impressive. How proud are you of yourself? I, I'm definitely proud of myself, but if, if people think that I, I still don't navigate, um, you know, still don't navigate some of those things. Uh, I do. I, I mean, I definitely do. I mean, it's, it's in your chemical makeup, some of those challenges, and it may be something that, uh, you know, it may be a cross I have to bear the rest of my life. It's always having to, um, redefine myself and always having to build myself up into somewhere, someone that I know that I can be proud of and that I know that my family can be proud of. Um, and I know that other little girls that are going through hard times can be proud of and to look up to. I'm really hard on myself with being a good example. I'm really hard on myself with making the right decisions at the right times and being in the right place at the right time. Um, I don't take failure lightly. And I think that's a lot of it is because of the lack of safety net. Um, that I would have had if I fell flat on my face. But wrestling gives that community that helps build you up and makes you stronger. And so even today, I still navigate some difficult issues and I'm still looking to, um, I'm constantly soul searching, constantly looking to process um, how to be a better person based on my experiences. Um, So I'm really proud of myself for how far I've come but I'm also proud of myself that I'm still humbled in the fact that my journey is always continuing and always evolving. Lee Janes, thanks so much for joining us this week. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Lee Janes, the head women's wrestling coach at Delaware Valley University, for being our guest this week. If you like the podcast, want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon1060. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.